Okay, welcome back everyone to the 10th episode of the EJ Sparks Conversations podcast. I'm so stoked that I have made it to 10 episodes, um, something that I, I never thought I would you know, be able to do and, and something that's you know, eventuated and, and something I'm trying to stick to and continue to bring out these episodes each week. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about this one. I've got um, Daniel from Accommodation Services here at Latrobe Bendigo and I met Daniel last year just through, um, I suppose, my interactions going into the, the office there and, and I found out he was um, passionate about the outdoors and was an outdoor educator and me being the same, kind of sort of wanted to know more about him and, um, and I suppose that relationship has developed now through myself being a student leader with accommodation services at La Trobe here and having a, a much stronger relationship and and being able to actually get to know Daniel a lot more and so I've asked him onto the podcast and I'm pretty keen um, and excited about this episode because he's a wealth of knowledge um, and got a you know I think a pretty good backstory as well so welcome Daniel. Great thanks Ethan great to be number 10. <laughs> yeah yeah special special episode. Yeah. So the way I like to start my episodes is just to ask you, what is your weirdest habit? Um, something that not many people know about you, but something that, you know, is uniquely you. Okay. Um, I don't know how weird this is, but um, I have this habit of getting up in the middle of the night and mm. eating cheese and crackers. <laughs> so I don't know how weird that is. Um, right. So that's one thing. I, th I could think of something else, actually, just while I'm talking. Yeah. Um, I really love to go out and run or ride or do whatever active in the stormiest conditions yep. Yep. that you could possibly get. Um, again, I don't know if that's weird. I don't know how many people around would, would be doing that, but I don't really know where that's come from. I think um, I kind of remember as a kid nearly being hit by lightning. Um, wow. And I say nearly, yeah. and, and now in my mind it's a little bit fuzzy, so I'm not really sure whether it was Nelly or whether I yeah, think it was it Nelly was. or whether it was kind of um, blown out of proportion since yes, I've grown yes. up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so maybe that kind of love of being out in the storm mm. started there or maybe it was a subconscious tackling of a fear yeah. that, you know, I felt really scared during that storm and then afterwards I'd kind of, every time there was a storm and lightning, I'd hide from it and then now I kind of really embrace, embrace it, it and love being out there and love being, you know, there's, I guess some of the sports that I've done as well have, really led to looking yeah, at the cool. conditions and then saying, wow, these conditions are really, really savage and that means there's going to be lots of snow. So therefore, tomorrow is going to be epic. Yeah. Or from a whitewater rafting or paddling perspective, the same thing. Yeah. So this is a massive rainfall. All the rivers are going to flood and tomorrow we're going to have yeah, a massive epic. day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess... Um, I love that. I think maybe if you if you ask my wife, she'd probably list some more yeah. um, weird habits, but uh, I haven't asked her. So yeah, uh, so, no, I think yeah. I think those two are fantastic. <laughs> I, I love I love that one. Yeah, that second one being out in the rain, and, and that's something um, that I love as well. Yeah. I love just going for a ride in the rain and just getting absolutely drenched. And it, I don't know, it's something about it. Yeah. And it, especially after a, like you know a few hot days, you know, having that rain is really nice. It's very grounding. I it think, is because you you I don't know you. I, Nothing wrong with the people that say, I love fine weather and I love hot mm. weather. I think everyone, each to their own, but I'd love to have a mix of all the elements. Yeah. And, you know, as you, as you said in your intro, I love the outdoors and um, being able to interact with the outdoors in, in all different conditions is, um, 
it's quite a privilege. Yeah. Quite amazing. And in a country where we don't get a lot of rain. Yeah. It's almost like doing a rain dance. It's almost like being, you know, exactly jumping right. for joy and going, wow, yeah. I feel energetic. Yeah. I want to get out there. 100%. It's raining. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Thank you, Daniel. Yeah. Um, and just building on that, you, you sort of mentioned that you, you have that love for outdoors and I sort of mentioned that as well. How did that love for the outdoors develop and were you always passionate about being outdoors as a young kid um, or were you one that was not so much? Um, oh, no, I definitely go on the side of I was always passionate yeah. about the outdoors as a young kid. I think um, one of the best things that I can say that my parents gave me was the, the gift of appreciating the outdoors. Yeah. Um, they taught me skiing from a young age, uh, from, yeah. from a four-year-old, which <laughs> was really cool. Um, I remember getting lifted up by the uh, Palmer lifts on Mount Buller. I was, yeah. pretty small, I was a pretty small kid. Um, yeah, getting lifted up by them in my uh, 1980s yeah. uh, snow <laughs> gear. Um, and we did a lot of family camping. So yeah, okay. pretty much from the the time I can remember, we'd, we'd head, up, head up to the Murray and, and do some family camping. Yeah. Or, um, you know, my dad would be either involved with or have friends that are involved in four-wheel drive clubs and we'd yeah. kind of get out into the outdoors and try and do desert trips and yeah yeah um, then we got into water skiing and so I was always you know into that as well um, so I had a really kind of by the time I was a teenager I had a really wide appreciation of different outdoor sports yeah um, and then uh, when when I went to school um, I, I got the opportunity to, well actually I did I was in the scouting movement as oh well. yes, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I went through Cubs to Scouts. Scouts yes, um, I didn't go any further. Yeah, um, but kind of then school came. When I got to school, I, you know, I had these opportunities to join in um, outdoor education. Mm-hmm. So that was part of a program. So they had they had an outdoor yep. education back yep. then. Wow. And, um, then we had. Um, that's, that's interesting. You say back then. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, we had a like a other opportunities to do stuff like the Duke of Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, and um, like a bushwalking club that I joined. Yeah. Um, starting with like smaller walks to like Mount Torbreck and Mount Samaria yes. in yes. Um, in Victoria, Sorry, and then yeah. ranging up, ranging up to like um, trips to the Crosscut Saw and Mount Howard, yeah. and then we do um, down at the walls of Jerusalem in Tasmania yeah. and um, Ooh, wow. Cradle Mountain, wow. yeah. Warren Bungles in New South Wales, and yeah. then ranging even further, kind of towards the end of school over to Nepal. Yeah. Um, so doing lots of Very different cool. walks in different places. Um, yeah. So I guess that appreciation kind of came through from my childhood, but came through organically in the different things that I did. And it's kind of nice yeah. now actually to look back and I'm coming back to things that I used to do when I was younger. Yeah. So um, I kind of liked sailing when okay. I was in school. Yeah. Um, and although I wasn't brilliant at it, um, I remember turtling the boat lots and yeah. having it upside yes. down all the time. But yep. kind of coming back to that now and really... Sailing's tough. Yeah, yeah. But really like right. kind of... I've, I'm doing a, a beginner sailing course, course but yeah. really kind of seeing, impressed at the way I could go from watching what they're explaining on the board mm-hmm. to pretty much and grabbing the tiller and, and doing away. stuff myself. Yeah. Um, so some of that knowledge that I learned in my younger days must be coming yeah, through. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so I guess the answer to the question would be, yeah, yeah it's, it's not been. something I came to later on. It's something that's always, always been, been with me. Yeah. yeah, awesome. And when you were in year 11, year 12, 
were you wanting to pursue something in the outdoors or did you have other sort of avenues or was school trying to push you in different directions or your parents trying to push you in different directions? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And you know, when you first asked that question, I yeah. was thinking about which way did my parents want me to go? Yeah. And um, it was an immediate thing that my mind went to. Um, so I was always, I guess, what am I going to say here? I don't reckon I was the greatest student. Yeah. Um, I reckon my strengths in my schooling were around everything extracurricular. Yeah. So I thought I was a reasonable Mm -hmm. footballer and I thought I was a reasonable snow skier. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought I was reasonably good at at outdoor education and I was kind of a unique kind of year 11, 12 person because I was A, really heavily involved in football, but B really heavily involved in the dramatic arts. Yeah, right. Oh, so wow. um, I had kind of had that, I don't know how strange that is, but it, yeah. like, there weren't a lot of people that had that, had that mix. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I had a really wide breadth of experience, I guess, in extracurricular stuff. Yeah. Um, Very cool. I considered, so I considered kind of upon getting towards the end of year 12, where, where am I going to go? And it was never, I'm going to be a professional in the outdoors. It was always... Um, I'm going to go to uni. Yeah. Um, and I, to be honest with you, didn't, I don't know if this course was around. I think it was, mm-hmm. um, the Latrobe Outdoor Ed course. Um, yeah. but it wasn't something I was considering. I was, I guess, no, I hesitate to say the word push, but influenced yeah. in the, in the direction of economics okay. and accounting. Kind of, yeah. Um, and there probably wasn't much about me that was, that's still an economist or an accountant. Yeah. Um, and so... I pretty much flunked um, my first semester of, of that okay. course. Um, I failed, I believe, again, I think this is right, three out of the first four subjects. Wow. Yeah. Um, and um, I was I was kind of saved by a history lecturer because I, I was doing an, an optional history as yeah. part of um, my economics. And history lecturer said, hey, you're doing really well in this, um, but you're not doing very well in everything else. Mm. So have you considered changing over to arts. I was like, oh, I hadn't really because I really wanted to persevere, but I'm probably going to keep failing because mm-hmm. I just don't, don't get it. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, statistics, I wasn't getting, accounting, I wasn't getting, yeah. um, microeconomics, I just, it, things that were just weren't going in. Yeah. I'm not a really, I'm more of a, I guess, I think the word's kinesthetic, a hands-on yes. learner yeah, rather than here. visual graphs. Yeah. Um, you know, this is the difference between this stat and that stat. That, yeah. It's um, the calculations. They don't quite go in. No, no, 100%. Um, and, you know, numbers dance on the page a little bit for me and that sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, I went into arts and I really got involved in extracurricular stuff at uni. Yeah. So, which is an interesting connection to make now. It's kind of the first time I really made that, that... My, and thanks for asking the question. That's right. My skills in school, where I said I was strong in the extracurricular yeah. stuff, it wasn't yeah. until I discovered that there was an option to keep doing that at university. Yeah. It wasn't until I, until I discovered that that I started to enjoy my life at uni and yeah. started to excel. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I did really well in, in history. I was, I guess, you know, often getting de- distinctions and high yeah. distinctions in that. I took up Spanish when I did arts. Wow. Um, ended up getting a scholarship to go and live in Madrid huh. um, to study Spanish over there. Um, was, you know, heavily involved in, in drama again yeah. At, yeah. Um, at the university. And which uni did you go to? This is Monash. Monash, Monash yes. in Clayton. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I guess one of the big differences as well between first semester and second semester was 
I got my license okay. the second semester. Yeah. And so, you know, I was you traveling I was traveling those. from Baldwin to Clayton by buses. Yeah. And as I don't know how well you know Melbourne, but yeah. um, going north south doesn't work. <laughs> so yeah. I was end up going from, you know, Baldwin to Box Hill and then getting another Box Hill to uh, another bus from Box Hill down to um, I think Hughesdale or Murrumbina station yeah, okay. and then another bus to Clayton. It was just like no, an man. hour and a half journey every day and yeah. um, challenging, challenging to keep going yeah. and, and to keep going. So, um, yeah, getting back involved in extracurricular stuff, starting, you know, to get back into into skiing and having, mm-hmm. a, having a job where I could actually now pay to take myself skiing. Yeah. Um, was Yeah, it was kind of the, the direction that the, that, that started going in. Um, it wasn't till much 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 later that i considered outdoor education as a yeah. as a career option yeah yeah um, cool so yeah i don't know if you want me to keep going i, I just that, i yeah. just want to like actually explore something that you mentioned there and something that i've just been thinking about a lot lately as well is that like i find me personally when i'm involved in a lot of extracurriculum things things that i'm passionate about um that my uni work actually is you know just as good if not like better than what it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that then also relates back to growing up as a kid, those kids that are out there doing a lot more um, and being involved in you know all sorts of sports and all sorts of after school things mm. actually are more well-rounded mm. later on. And it's something that... Um, to, a, to a limit. Yeah. So okay. you know, there's, there's an important thing there that, you know, having worked with a lot of young people, yeah, um, there comes a point where you're doing too much. Yes, but yes, yeah, that I, is, that I, I is totally true. Yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, and I suppose like that limit is when it's like you know a burden or something that you're not enjoying. Yeah, um, in a sense. Yeah, but um, yeah, like that was just something I, I just wanted to voice because that was something that I've been trying to think about a lot more lately as well because I've taken on a lot this year, but I'm absolutely loving every bit mm. that I'm doing and I'm still doing well in all other areas one of the um, i guess one of the triggers that i've noticed in myself and probably in mm-hmm. other people as well is in terms of overload and the things that you're doing too much is when you kind of stop enjoying the things that you would normally yeah. enjoy yeah that's kind of a little bit of a sign of hey is it, it am i am i devoting too much time to work for example yeah or am i devoting too much time okay. to study which is causing me to not enjoy my free time. Yeah. Um, or, you know, am I doing too much of my, yeah. am I doing too much cycling where it's coming to the point where, you know what, I'm feeling like I'm grinding out the case. Yeah. Should I just be dialing that back, back. a little bit and, and go back to the enjoyment level? Yeah. 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 And is that how you balance your time now? Absolutely. Um, yeah. By gauging, you know, how much you're doing in, in areas and whether you're, you're feeling, you know, that you're not enjoying something. I can't sit here and say I achieve perfect balance. It's yeah. always, it's oh, always yeah. an eternal quest, I think, for everybody. Yeah, um, and, you know, I've, I've got three kids now yep. and um, they rock my world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, devoting my time to my wife and my kids and spending time with them is I'm trying, I'm still striving to get that appropriate balance where I'm giving enough time to them, enough time to work, yep. enough time to my personal development and yeah. and things that I want to do outside of work. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm striving for that balance. I haven't achieved it, but yeah. I, I think I'm learning to see where there comes that point where I go, hey, you know what? I, I'm doing something too much. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to dial back on that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And are you very self-aware yourself 
in those sort of things? Yeah, yeah, I think I am. I'm, I'm getting to be more so. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Have you always been that sort of way or has that something, you know, It's definitely developed? been something I've had to develop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like getting back to, I guess, a, you know, in outdoor education, you're spending yeah. a lot of time away from home. Yeah. Um, and a lot of time on the road. So yeah. I, I spent a lot, of, a lot of my career as a freelance outdoor instructor. Yeah. Um, and there would come a point where you, you, you're managing your own diary and you're going, oh, yeah, I can go to Perth this week and I can go to mm-hmm. Adelaide this week and oh, yeah, I'll take an overseas expedition for this month. And then yeah. you get to that point where you, you, you're chasing the dollar as well as you know, enjoying the work, but you come to that point where you think, hey, I've got to take a rest here. Yeah. I've got to do something different. Um, I've got something for my own benefit and until that kind of, until I've rested enough. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And going back to your how your outdoor ed career came about, mm. so you were obviously had done your arts degree, yeah. correct, and yeah. finished that, yeah. and then did you get a job in sort of that field at all, or yeah? So interesting um, way of finishing my arts degree. So yeah. I I still joke that my three year arts degree was the best seven and a half years of my life. <laughs> um, yeah. There was a lot of. It wasn't your standard arts degree. Yeah, there was yep. uh, as I as I spoke about before. There was the first year that didn't go quite yeah. so well. Um, there were a few more. Uh, I'm going to call epic fails along the way. Okay. So I I tried to major in Indonesian. Yeah. And I got to my third year of Indonesian. I studied it all through school. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I persevered, Ethan. I got a D in year twelve, like a like right. a you know A B C D. D. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Which really brought down my year 12 mark I'm not bitter it's okay um, <laughs> and um, I kept going at university and I kind of got towards the end and it, it dawned on me probably because my senior lecturer in Indonesian told me that I wasn't very good at it um, right. <laughs> and I failed my major in oh. my third year and so I had to kind of start I'd already done my history major I had to kind of start my second major history again which was okay. the Spanish that, that okay. I took up um, so leading me to Spain and kind of, I don't know why the university gave me a scholarship, maybe because I was good at Spanish yeah. or maybe they just wanted me to finish and they said, get over to Spain, do a semester right. and that'll give you a year's worth of credit, you're done. Yeah. I'm okay. like, great, fantastic. So off I go, flew over to Madrid, kind of was, um, so it was about, I think it was eight days after September, yeah, it was September the 19th, 2001. Okay. Wow. So right. yeah, after yeah. straight after yeah, that had happened, happened. Yeah. Um, and so the world was a bit topsy turvy yeah. at that stage. Um, but there I was, landed myself in Madrid, and um, went to um, a university there where I loaded up on three subjects, all in Spanish. Yeah, um, and um, got through one of them. I got nineteen out of twenty from, wow. which was great. Yeah, um, but yeah, finished that and came home. And just decided pretty much as soon as I'd landed that home wasn't for me. And th- I think it was in Sid- during Sydney Airport and I let out an audible expletive and went, yeah. I just don't think I should be here. Yeah. And so pretty much booked another ticket one way and went back. Wow. So um, hadn't still graduated yet. But, yeah. Uh, so yeah, went back, worked, did some um, did some time behind bars in, not behind bars, I should, I should rephrase that, behind places that serve alcohol. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, oh my God, you went yeah, to jail? Yeah, no, no. Holy the high God. places that serve okay, alcohol, yes. serving people alcohol oh, yeah. and other drinks and food yeah. um, in Spain um, and yeah. also all around all around yeah. Europe. Yeah. Um, Very cool. And uh, I actually remember leaving Madrid and I went to this place called Las Cangas de Onis and it's up in 
the north of Spain okay. near Oviedo. Um, and it's it's this national park called Los Picos de Europa or the, the European yeah. Peaks. Yeah. And it was the I'd been living in Madrid. I'd been there for almost three years. Wow. Right in the middle of a big city. Yeah. Um, hardly getting out. You know, yeah. sometimes going to Granada to have a ski or sometimes going to Navatarada to go for a ski. Yeah. But very rarely getting out of the city. Yeah. No, no, not on my own transport. But when I left Madrid, I left it in a pretty chaotic way and I had yeah. to just pack my backpack and pretty much walk yeah. out of there. Yeah. Um, and I did that and I went free camping, um, mm -hmm. kind of. I actually, like, literally walked out of Madrid. Okay. Um, wow. Up into the hills of Nova yeah. I went free camping, kind of came down, got a train to um, Avila and then went up to um, the top to Oviedo. Yeah. Um, and then ended up in this place in the in the Los Picos de Europa. And I saw all these, like... Um, all these shops, these adventure shops, like mm -hmm. horse riding and paddling and yep. mountaineering and, you know, hiking and that sort yep. of thing. I didn't hang around there long, but something must have happened in my brain that went, hey, this looks cool. cool. Yep. I'm going to come back here one day. I still haven't, but I'm going to come yeah. back here one day. I'm going to use my Spanish. I'm going to work here. Um, that dream might be a little bit, you know, not yeah. so realistic anymore because times yep. have changed a little bit, but something must have happened there. And, um, throughout the next few years, I did some jobs that were more related to outdoors. Yeah, so I did yeah. some, you know, water sports instruction in Greece. Yeah. Um, I ended up going to be a ski guide in, in Austria. Yeah. Um, working for an English company. And that was cool. pretty much the last thing I did in Europe before um, my brother came and rescued me and paid for my airfare home. Okay. Because, <laughs> you know, working in bars in Europe uh, doesn't really give hey, you too much of an no. income to save up for an airfare. But no. So he came and got me, took me home. And um, pretty much again, when I got home, I decided that it wasn't the place for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, pretty difficult, you know, for anyone. And this is not, my parents are great, but yeah. it's pretty difficult for a 25-year-old, 25-year-old to come back in after being five years away from home. Yeah flat broke and wanting to live with their parents. Yeah. So I got out of there pretty quick. I was like, I'm, and then I thought, I'm going to look for an outdoor education. I, I you know, yeah. I was doing actually, that. Actually, no, no, yeah. before that, before that, um, there's a company called World Challenge. Okay. And I was basically one of the first members of World Challenge in the office in Australia. So the guy, Lockie Bunn, who had come over from England, brought World Challenge to Australia. Yeah. Um, I met him through a, another friend and basically whatever happened, I got offered a job yeah, yeah. as an administrator there and was speaking to exhibition leaders on the phone, you oh, know, getting wow. all their qualifications, yeah. um, doing all the kind of background work contacts. for expeditions. And I thought pretty quickly, this is what I want to do. Yeah. I want to go and be an overseas expedition yeah. leader. So I thought, what's the, there's a few different ways of doing it. What's the quickest way of getting there? Yeah going to a Cert 4 in mm -hmm. the outdoors. Mm -hmm. um, so I was, you know, in Victoria, in yeah. Melbourne, looking for all these Cert, cert 4s. So there's one at Holmes Glen and there's one at Geelong and there's one, oh, there's one at Cairns. That's a long way away. <laughs> hey. I'll go there. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I, cool. I went to Cairns and, um, you know, got involved in, in outdoor education there and it was just a fantastic course. It's yeah. unfortunately no longer running. Okay. Um, a kind of... I won't get too political, but yeah. a, a victim of the, the TAFE sector. Yeah. Um, but um, there was a great course and um, learned a lot and you know, it took me took me into my career. Yeah, wow. And then from there, 
like how do you so once you once you graduated and finished that set four how did you end up in accommodation services yeah it's a good question um so i i I reflect on it a lot yeah Um, and you know um i've had a I've had a, a life and a career that's jumped around a yeah, lot, yeah. Um, and I'm not going to guarantee that it won't that won't keep happening. Mm-hmm. Um, probably to a lesser extent. Yeah. Even if, if my wife listens to this, she'll she'll say it's got to happen to a much lesser extent. extent yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've just we've just bought a house and oh, um, yeah, well, we're yes. pretty we're pretty settled that's, now where yeah. we are. But um, how did it happen? Um, so I worked for quite a long time up in, so about 10 years up in Queensland. Yeah. Um, doing different, so I ended up ended up achieving the dream of becoming a, an overseas expeditioner, yep. expedition leader. Um, had a baptism of fire where I was given my first expedition to Malawi. Um, yeah. I've never been to Africa. Yeah, wow. Um, with a school from England, so I was pretty green. Um, flew over mm-hmm. to England and... Um, yeah, just started like you know met the met the team, and I can probably say now that there were some things that that we did on that expedition um, from a safety perspective yeah. that I've learnt throughout the rest of my career yeah. that I probably wouldn't allow wouldn't have allowed to happen on future expeditions. Yes. So yeah. um, some climbing of a of a pretty pretty full on mm-hmm. peak. Yeah. Um, but it was great. It was awesome. Um, so I got to got to achieve that and yeah, did another. True. I think. I think I ended up doing nine, or I went to nine different countries with World Challenge. One of them was a double one, so it was South okay. Africa and Swaziland. Yeah, and yep. then another. I went to Vietnam, I think three times. Maybe. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Um, I love but Vietnam. so, so I did. I did those, and then worked for different schools and different providers up in North Queensland. Mm-hmm. Um, did some tourism stuff. Uh, became a rafting guide, etc., yep. etc. Then I met my wife in the in the middle of it. Um, so did some time, did some work over in England. Okay. Came back again as well, um, and had a, school, a job in a school in in North Queensland, and decided that after our first daughter was born, that it was kind of time to move closer to my family and yeah. friends. Um, so so is your wife from she's from England. England. Yeah. Yep. So yep. We, there's either, there's one of those two options. You either go back to England yeah, or you stay here. here. She's pretty hooked on staying here. So yep. I always feel guilty about that. <laughs> that's the way it goes. Yeah. Um. So moved back to Victoria. Um. We love it. Love the decision. Yeah. Great decision. Ended up working for a not-for-profit organisation. So I was a teacher at the time. Okay. Um. And applied for a lot of teaching jobs in yep. Victoria and didn't get them. Yeah. Wow. Um. I had. I had an interview for an outdoor education school in Rubicon. Mm-hmm. Um, that was about as well as any of my applications went. Yeah, um, which is a real eye opener. Yeah, um, you know, you think that you've you've. I was a teacher for three years yes. up in up north and Done, had all these had all had all the experiences, had all the yeah. qualifications. But I, I guess entering a new education system yeah. was difficult. And I guess the thing about applying for jobs as well as someone wise, I don't know who it is, has said to me, it's it don't take it as a as a reflection on you. Yeah. It's just that the people who interviewed you or the people who looked at your application didn't think you were the right fit for the job. job yeah. There's gonna be the right fit for your job somewhere. Or exactly. you're gonna be the right fit for a job somewhere and that ended up happening. Yeah. Um I took a bit of a leap of faith because I'd I'd resigned from my previous role at the school up north okay. before finding mm-hmm. the next job. job. Yeah. And um it's a bit of a leap of faith when you are paying a mortgage on a house, yeah. which was our first house in Queensland, 
and you're raising a child. Yeah, yeah, um, going on. But you know, I think fortune favors the brave, and sometimes it's not until we take that leap of faith that the the universe conspires to to help us out. Yeah. Um, you know, you it's it's called a leap of faith. For a reason, yeah. you have to take it. You can't just. You, you can't have be to taking, take it to be able to grow. You can't be taking leaps of leaps of faith from your armchair. You no, know, you've got to do it. Yeah. So I took that leap of faith and um, ended up with a really cool role in a not-for-profit organisation managing a camp in yep. Central Victoria, which was really cool because I grew up in Bendigo. My first three or four years were in Bendigo. Yeah. Um, and it was nice to kind of come, come back, back here. Yeah. And there's this real grounded feeling that I have mm-hmm. um, I am really I'm gonna start, I'm gonna use the word passionate mm-hmm. um, about um, Aboriginal culture yes um, and about um, reconciliation yeah and I you know was was I'm, I was part of the group of people in my previous roles in North Queensland mm-hmm that has helped to establish connections with the Gugudalanji people up there okay. to have wow. them come and present to our students. Yes. Um, and I wanted to keep that going in Victoria. Yeah. And I was really surprised when I came back to to realise, and I was quite saddened to, to realise that a lot of the Victorian culture Cultures had, had, had some, somehow languages had lost, been yeah. lost, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's a great word, been lost. Um, and... Um, being in a Jar Jar Rung Country, area yeah. and, and, and in, the, in that area, it was really refreshing and eye-opening to meet some of the elders yeah. and um, really become grounded. And, and I, I really feel that that spirit of that spirit of place, you know, of, of, of being here. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm wearing on my, uh, on my finger here a, a family crest, which is, yeah. which is an eagle. Yeah. Um, so that's for my, my grandfather um, on, my, um, on my maternal side. Okay. Um, so I'm uh, wearing his ring. Um, and, you know, I really feel that being in the land of, of Bunjil yeah. um, is, is, you know, it's just quite, I just feel this sense of belonging. I feel this really yeah. like I belong here in central Victoria and it's a great, great, great way and place to raise the family mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So going back to your question, at that outdoor ed centre yeah. or that, that camp, um, I ended up, you know, going pretty well from a business perspective. Yeah. Um, started doing a postgraduate in, uh, so in my MBA. Yes. Um, yes. Which I've got a, I've now done, I've now got the graduate certificate of okay. business administration. Cool. Um, which amazingly full circle made me do economics again. Yeah, I was going to say, doesn't <laughs> I that didn't, involve I didn't economics? do stats and I had okay. to do accounting, but okay. it's different. Yeah. It's, it's applying it's to stuff kind that you of, It's not the enjoy. same as undergraduate. Yeah. So you're okay. not learning the principles of accounting and doing your basic, you know, not all your what otherwise would be called basic spreadsheets and mathematics. Yeah. You're learning how to interpret the results of the data yeah. from a managerial yeah. perspective. So um, it came a bit more naturally for me yeah. to be able to do That's it that good. way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, that took me to being a manager, like a senior manager of that not-for-profit. Yeah. Um, which took me to Melbourne. Yeah, okay. Um, so living in Castlemaine and commuting to Melbourne, Melbourne every day and then having a second child and then having a third a child. child. And yeah. then by the time Leon, my third child, came along, it was like I don't want to keep missing mm. the mornings uh, and the evenings. Yeah. Um, they're really important times 
mm-hmm. for us as a family, for me to be home, to interact with all three children. Yeah. Um, and I basically, you know, this is the honest truth. I started looking for a job in Bendigo and took a fair scattergun approach to it. Yeah. Um, and I actually invest. So again, it wasn't easy. No, so like no. I failed multiple times Times. to find a job when I moved to Victoria, yeah. I failed multiple times to mm. find a job that was suitable to my skills and experience while I was applying yeah. to move to move organizations. Um, and I think I was it was the way I was seeing myself. Yeah. So I was seeing myself as a good outdoor educator mm-hmm. that had fallen into management. Yeah. And I met yeah. someone who was kind of connected to the organization I was working for. And I was telling them about my dramas, about how I yeah. couldn't kind of crack it. Yeah. And they said, this might sound funny to you and it's going to cost you a bit of money, but you should invest in a coach. Right. So I went and inve- I paid 600 bucks. Yeah. For a coach, yeah, who helped me to write my resume, yeah, yeah. but not only that, helped me to create a more business-like LinkedIn profile, yeah, um, helped me to see myself as not that outdoor educator that was just falling into management, but someone who invested a fair bit of their career in becoming yeah, a leader, yeah, and becoming a good, you know, a, a, God, and, wow. and learning business, yeah, and being able to put that across when you answer your key selection criteria yeah. in your resume. So it's amazing the difference of how you see yourself and how you can be taught to see yourself. Yeah. 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 So, so that kind of, and actually this is, this is, I've just thought of this. I applied for this role. I Mm -hmm. sent this, I hit the send button on the, on the day that my third child was born. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was in the process of writing because I knew Leon was coming along. Yeah. And you know, he was born at, five something in the morning or six yeah. in the morning and you know i went out to get a coffee and yeah. um i'd already kind of pre- prepared it and you know sitting in a cafe in mount alexander hospital and i read over the rest of my key selection because yeah. i think it was closing on that day and went send i yeah. went and mm. there we go Jeez. so um yeah um so i guess as as we talked about before it's was, the right person at the right time and yeah and they thought that I was that person and, and here I am. So yeah, that's, it's all pretty everything organic. Happens, everything happens yeah, for a reason, doesn't yeah. it? It's not like I've gone, I don't want to be in outdoor education anymore or, yeah. I, or, I, or I, I want to go and do a managerial role. Well, it's just the things that lead happen. you to where they are. And I still find it quite interesting that um, the eagle is the symbol of Latrobe as well, which is uh, yeah, you know, quite it, interesting yes. for me and, and my journey. True. So yeah, yeah. And, and that's, that's the thing as well, like... I, I really like that story and I hope because I, I personally get a lot out of people's stories and like I can relate to them in, in certain areas and, and pull parts and go, yeah, I'm, I'm similar to that and that sort of thing. And I think that story is just like such a good story in the sense that it, it proves that you don't have to know what you want to do or you Absolutely. don't have to you know stick to one thing mm. and i think that there definitely has been a shift in especially like my i suppose generation Absolutely. in the sense that yeah. you know we're not being um stuck in this one job for a lifetime sort of thing yeah. um and so hopefully like people that are out there and and uni students and whatever like if you know they're 
stuck or, or whatever, just to sort of know that things will happen and they will, you know, flow on from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I um, I live my life a little bit by um, a poem by Roger Kipling. It's called okay. If. And there's a line in there, which I'm just thinking of now when you say things will get better. Yeah. There's a line which says, hold on when there is nothing in you, um, except the right. will which says to you, hold on. Um, yeah. And if you do hold on, it gets better. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I've had some dark times. When I went back to Madrid that first time, I had no money. Yeah. And I, the only thing I thought I could do was go and live in a house with my old housemate. Yeah. It was a Spanish guy that had two German shepherds and that was, he was an awesome bloke. Yeah. But he was doing renovations at the time. Okay. And so I crashed on the floor of a building site yeah. with my backpack and I managed to fossick for a radio alarm clock so I could get up to get to get, go and try yeah. and find a job the next oh. day. So, you know, these are these are some things that not even my parents know. So yeah. um and that was that was a hard time. That was yeah, like, you know, definitely. And it was a few days, nearly a week that I could, yeah. or maybe even a little bit longer that, that I went without knowing where my next dollar was coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, same situation when I, I got to Paris, we were promised some, some uh, great picking work in, uh, in the north of France. Um, and it fell through. We kind of got there a bit too late. Yeah. Um, we'd kind of taken all of our income that we'd earned at uh, working in the summer island at Greece. Yeah. And uh, which wasn't very much. No. And um, we spent that on, um, this is really, really good thinking. We spent it on wine and soup, pretty much. <laughs> we were free camping in a park. Yeah. But, and we also actually pulled our money together one day and we hired a car. There were four of us. Yeah. And we got nothing out. Well, we couldn't get a job. We nothing, went to all these yeah. wineries and couldn't get a job. And we, it came to the point where we said, we're, we're going to have to do something. Yeah. We can't just sleep in this park anymore. Yeah. And we're going to run out of food. Mm. Um, and so it was a, a decision to two of them hitchhiked one way to Switzerland, yeah. two of us hitchhiked to Paris yes. yeah. and I sat in the, uh, so basically got to Paris and gave the owners of the hostel our passports yeah. and said, hold on to these. Um, can we stay here yeah. and don't give it, don't give them back to us until we can pay you. Yeah. So basically they were pretty good. They let us stay for free. Uh, well, not really for free. It was like a, yeah. a owing situation. And, um, you know, my skills weren't so widespread at that stage. I was, yeah. a, I was a, a bartender. bartender. Was and a, so I yeah. went in and I didn't speak French. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so I went and sat in the bar, or like next to the bar at Cafe Oz mm -hmm. in Paris. And I drank water. And I said to the manager, I need a job. And he said, no, we haven't got anything going. So I drank water for the night. Came back the next night and I sat there and drank water. And said, I need a job. And he said, no, no, we haven't got anything going. And the next night was Saturday night and they were really busy. They were slammed and I was sitting there drinking water right. and he said, get behind the bar. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it, there are hard times um, Yeah. and there are failures and there are, there are times when things don't work out the, mm -hmm. way, the way that you planned. There are things that like this job in, in, uh, in the north of France, someone might promise you something and they don't deliver. And that's not the end of the world either because if you're resourceful, yeah. You can draw upon something, anything mm -hmm. that can get you to the next step, yeah. get you to the next phase. And how do we like be resourceful and try and draw upon something? Because like after a failure or after a knockback or after something not going the right way, you know, it is heartbreaking and it is hard. Like how can we um, try and draw 
out the, the good things in us to move forward? I don't really know the scientific answer to that question. Yeah, but yeah. the way I would answer it is, I think the way I see life and have seen life, I think for almost all of it, is you can't take anything with you. Yeah, right. So all you can take with you are your experiences. Yeah. And so my life has always has all been about collecting experiences. Yeah. And you can't again with that leap the same analogy about the leap of faith, yeah. you can't have new experiences from your armchair. Yeah. And so every new experience, if you if curve. you're sharp, you can and you and you're observant, you'll t- you can take something from it. Yeah. You know, you can you can learn, well, you know, that happened to me that time. Um, I've been there before. Yeah. So I can I can draw a little bit on that. Um, so yeah, I think um, I think if you if you collect the lessons from the experiences that you have, and you don't have to call them failures, you can just call them experiences yes, that didn't yeah. work out the way you wanted them to. Yeah. Then if you can take those lessons and apply them to future situations, then that can keep you resilient. Mm. Now that's that's another thing too. I remember when I was teaching in Queensland, the school up there, and also the education department had this real buzzword about teaching resilience. Okay. And I have a real problem with that from an education perspective. Yeah. I think that resilience is difficult to teach. I think you've got to teach it yourself. Self. Yeah, yeah. You and you don't do. know what resilience is until you have to come back from something. Yeah. Um, and in I an agree. education system, it's really difficult to put people in those situations where they have to be resilient. Yeah, because... Outdoor education is good at it. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but a lot of the you know a lot of the mainstream mainstream normal classroom education is difficult to say I'm teaching you resilience. resilience. Yeah, 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 yeah. very true. Yeah, um, and like going through all that, and you know we we spoke about like just then about resilience and and about like coming back and bouncing back from those hard times. Like, how was your mental state? And like, how did you, you know, continue to sort of, you know, push forward? And were there practices, were there things that you did for yourself? Mm. Um, obviously, you, you spoke about, you know, doing things you enjoy yeah. um, and skiing and that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Like, is that something that you really rely on? Yeah, look, I think the first way to answer that is I have, I guess, I don't know where it's come from. And I can't tell you, again, scientifically why it's yeah. there, but I think I have this ability of, of uh, it's called stick with itness yeah like yeah. I, yes I, i'm not a i'm not a person that that gives up hope, hope. Yeah. really easily so you know and i think again my experiences have taught me that like yeah so i've had when i was working for world challenge i've had um young people in my care that have quite literally been very close to death yeah and i've had to draw on everything that i know from a first aid perspective <laughs> Yeah. from a casualty evacuation perspective, yes. Um, from a teamwork perspective to yeah. get those young people, children, yeah. out of those situations and give them back their life. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, not everyone's going to have those intense situations, but it's pretty hard to manufacture anything more hardcore than that yeah. for, for your brain. Yeah. It's pretty hard to manufacture a problem-solving exercise that's harder than that. Yeah. So I think that stick withiness has come from those sort of experiences and the ones in the personal life. So Mm. um, being able to either wittingly or unwittingly put yourselves in situations that are dangerous or 
that uh, that need require you to problem solve. Uh, yeah. Um, to either and you know, they might they may not be life or death, but they might be, you know, financial ruin. Yeah. Yeah. You got to risk yeah. everything for this one mm-hmm. one thing. thing. Yeah. Um, or they might be you know a, a, an experience gamble. So you know I could, I could stay and be really happy in my job here. Yeah. Um, this is an example. Yeah. Or yeah. I could go and have that adventure. Um, where I don't know what the financial implication or what the experience implication is going to be at the end of it, yeah. but I'm going to do it because it's it's an experience that needs to be had. Uh, yeah, 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 and you'll learn from that. Yeah, and reassess and go, oh, okay, maybe that didn't work. Yeah, I have to come back. Yeah, so, so yeah. I think it's that, yeah, that that stick withness that that is that is yeah taught you to taught me to hold on. Yeah. yeah. Coming from an education point of view, where where do you think, and or maybe what do you think, are like this generation, my generation, the the ones coming through now? What do you think is like the hardest challenge for us in a society that is so full on and and growing so quickly and and so much happening around us? Like I, I, I suppose I it's this, an ambiguous question. I have but, this theory from um, and I don't know if it's again supported scientifically or by research. Yeah. Um, but I have this theory through, and I've developed it through traveling extensively in the developing world. Yeah. I think we're burdened by choice. Yeah. Yeah. In our, in our um, let's call it developed world or our first world societies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, mm. when, you, when you simplify everything down, and I've got an amazing friend in Malawi who, I, who I'm still in contact with. His name's Comisto. He's a fantastic man. Yeah. Um, when you simplify it, like, the emails he'll send to me are about not being able to grow maize this year, and you know, um, not being able to have. You know, there's there's some corruption in the government, but they're but they're really simple. And how's your family? And please keep connected. That sort yeah. of thing. And the conversations that, that you have with people in the developing world is not about the new iPhone. No. Not about no. the new the new watch that's coming into. It's it's not about. Um, which rock and roll concert you're going to go to. Yeah. It's not about which car you're going to get. Yeah. It's it's about getting through. Yeah. And it's single-mindedness about, um, you know, I'm going to get to the next year, I'm going to get to the next day, yeah. or I'm going to get to the next opportunity. Mm. Whereas mm. I think in our society, for young people especially, um, with the advent of the mobile phone yeah. and social media yeah. and, you know, Netflix... And whatever other stations, gadgets there, gadgets there are, there are yeah. um, you know, gaming devices, um, fast cars, solar cars, yeah. smart cars, yeah. um, e-bikes, bikes, yeah. different, all these different opportunities, all these different choices you've got to make on a day-to-day basis. I think we're we're burdened by it. Yeah. I think if we right. could if we could dial it back and and just be a bit more simple, simple. then I think. That some of our our mental challenges, mm-hmm. where we will be given that space, mm. that mental space to say, "Hang on, that stuff I don't really need. And yeah. I can put it to the side, right. and I don't need to think about. And I can focus on: Do I want to go to university, or do I want to go to TAFE, or do I want to go and do my apprenticeship? Yeah. Is you know, is there something I want to do? And I don't need to Google it. I just yeah. need to think: What are the you know, write down a um, a pros and cons list on a piece of paper. Get a bit old school. And yeah. Say, you know, this is the pros of me doing that. Cons of me doing that. Mm. Great. I think, I think we just need to declutter a little bit. We do. Yeah. 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 
and that's something I'm learning as well because I was probably one that very much, um, I suppose, I'd never had the new things, but I was like, you know, always warning or thinking about, you know, the new thing or trying to save up for the new thing. And, and my parents were very good in the sense that they didn't, you know, have that um, and they didn't allow me to. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. And it's something that now I'm learning. It's like, you know, we don't need everything. We can really get through with like real basic, simple stuff and focus on what is actually important. Absolutely. Rather than, and it's, yeah. it's pretty easy for me to say, like, I've got to, I've got to acknowledge that I'm in, in a different position. So yeah. I wasn't born in an, into a generation that a mobile yes. phones were, was yes. there. Yeah, so, very true. You know, I remember going to my mate's dad's cricket club. Yeah. And he was like the first guy I knew that had a mobile phone. Right. And I know this is, you can't see the visual on this, yeah, but yeah. it was it was the size of probably um, a brick yeah. plus a brick on top of, yeah, and, and underneath. So it yeah. was kind of like, like an E-shaped yeah. without the middle bit. And you carried it around with a... With a like a pack, okay, yeah. So like the like the original video cameras, you carried it around with a pack, and yeah. this was that was the that was I remember that that was like one of the first mobile phones I'd seen, or you know you had a car phone, mm. but you couldn't move the car phone. Oh, no. So the phone was in your car, yeah. and you, and and when you were out of your car, you that you didn't it. have your car phone. No. So you were you were back to you know Just your, your, your home phones. Yeah. And I remember one of the um kind of really enlightening things so my best mate's mum is um i hope i get this right is a psychologist mm -hmm. um she's in the mental health field yeah and i was having a tough time as, as as you recall from my first year of uni yeah and competing priorities with people and that sort of thing yeah and she said to me get rid of your mobile phone yeah i said well but that means i'm disconnected from people she says no you're not she says you're either at home you're at work or you're doing something that you would rather, yeah. rather be doing. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, if, if you said to someone, I'm going to meet you underneath Flinders Street clock tower at 11 a.m., mm. you're going to meet them there at 11 a.m. because yeah. you, 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 you bust your gut to get there because you can't call them and tell you that you're going to be late. So, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I've got to, I do have to acknowledge that it's, it's difficult speaking mm. to a, a younger person mm. and speaking to an audience of younger people to say, I, I think the world would be, would be better if you left your phones alone for a little while because mm -hmm. I know that the, ter the term's digital native. Yeah. And I didn't have that. I haven't grown up with that. So I, I know I'm speaking from that perspective. And I, and I kind of count myself, I guess, a little bit lucky because yeah. I know I've had that lived experience of getting out there and doing something without it. And, yeah. and I still have that habit. I'll you know go for a run or a ride and I'll leave my phone at home. Mm -hmm. or, yeah, you exactly. know On the weekends, I'll go out for... A coffee with a friend or i'll take my kids out yeah and i'll leave my phone at home right. yeah like it'll be half a day before i check my mobile and yeah you know so exactly. I, I, I like having that separation from I, it i think that's really important though like i know you're saying that um like you're not you haven't grown up in a society where it is so heavily focused like you you have that previous experience yeah but it wasn't like, until university that, yeah. that we that we started to have phones yeah mm. but i i think just from my point of view, I think it's really important for people to understand that they do need a break from phones because like probably the past couple of weeks for myself have been like I, I track my phone usage and everything and the past couple of weeks for myself have just like skyrocketed. I was like 
on my phone for max an hour a day mm. and it's just gone up to like four hours, five hours a day and I've noticed to myself how I feel yeah. and I've had to really fall back on my own habits of, you know, switching off uh, my phone before I go to bed, like at least half an hour, an hour to have that, you know, non-stimulating time and I can actually have that personal reflection time mm. um, and then in the morning not checking my phone until, you know, I've done you know, all these sort of set jobs or all these things that I do. And, and like over the weekend, I had, you know, a social media detox where I just sort of, you know, didn't really get on and yeah. I'm trying to still not get on as much now. Mm. Um, and so I think it's important for the young listeners and, and like people my age um, to realize that you can have a social, like a detox and still you know, function yeah. as the, a human. And the other thing is, I mean, you use the word, I think you use personal reflection in there. Yeah. And then there's a, another word that's associated to that, which would be meditation. Yes. And yes. I know that a lot of people would, a lot of listeners would find those two, those words a little yeah. bit daunting. Yeah. You know, meditation is not just sitting there in the on position. Yes. Yes. Um, looking at mountains <laughs> exactly. and, and the sky and, and, and the sunset. Yeah. Um, and staying there for an hour. Yeah. You know, it's meditation is non-judgmental. Yeah. You don't have to be good at it. No. I'm, you know, I'm not even going to use the word I'm not good at it. Like that, that's the kind of perception that I have. I, yeah. I'm not great at sitting still. Yeah. I know that. That's yeah. fine. That's not what my meditation is. Mm. So what I was going to say there was it may also be daunting. So those words might be daunting, but it might also be daunting to say digital detox, turn your phone off, leave it at home. Mm. You can go gradually. And you can yeah. just, just have your phone in your pocket or have yeah. it in your bag while you're doing something else. Yeah. And that's what meditation is for yes. me. Yeah. It's just doing something else. Yeah. It's a diversion. Yeah. So if I'm at work and work's getting a bit full on and I'm feeling like I'm a bit bogged down and I'm not, you know, nothing's happening, I get up from my desk yeah. and I go for a walk yeah. and it might be down to get some sushi or it might mm. be going to the cafe or it might be just to walk around the oval. And that three or four minutes or five minutes or 10 minutes really mm. resets my brain. And, yeah. that's, and I call that meditation. I think um, last year when you spoke at our, like the bloke's not out, yeah. you um, you brought up a really good thing and something that I've um, like thought about as well is that, like being in that present moment and focusing on the activity at hand. And you mentioned like at that night that when you go skiing or when you go whitewater kayaking, you don't have a choice to not think about what's going on. Yeah. Like you need to focus on skiing and on whitewater kayaking. Otherwise, you're going to crash into something and hurt yourself. Absolutely. And that's, and, um, that's, that's they're the moments in my life where I feel most in the moment and yeah. most connected and by contrast, most free. Yeah. Um, and it's no longer really the case for me with whitewater rafting. I'm actually, to be honest with you, I've become a bit scared of whitewater, yep. of whitewater yes. kayaking, and and I've I've lost a mate, um, okay. you know, a few years ago, um, on on a river, yeah, and um, that was quite devastating for me. But um, I was kind of doing stuff then, which was way above my ability, yeah. And having that had happened um, was a real eye opener to me, and it's kind of actually, you know, one of the reasons why leaving Cairns was pretty easy because I was. 10 minutes from a river yeah, and yeah, it almost got to the point, um, this is really me opening up here, Yeah, yeah. it almost got to the point where I would fear 
the text messages coming through in the afternoon saying we're going for a paddle. paddle. Wow. Because I'd almost get to the point where I said, I've run out of excuses. Yeah. Or, you know what, I'm going to go, but, but I'm going to be scared shitless. And something's <laughs> going to happen. Well, it wasn't so much that. Yeah. It was just the enjoyment had gone a little bit yeah. because I was so scared. Yeah. Yeah. And now when I think about paddling, I haven't paddled for a long time. Yeah. Um, and now when I think about doing it, I'd love to do it again. I really yeah. would love to. Um, I would love to just do grade two. Yeah. And yeah. I'd love to just cruise down a river for the enjoyment of the scenery. Yeah. Rather than the epicness of, of mm. paddle skills. But you did mention paddling and you mentioned skiing. And when you, when you see, it's, it's with anything. When you see an expert, and I'm not by any means calling myself an expert in paddling, but when you see an expert doing something, yeah, you know that they're thinking about nothing else. else. Yeah, correct. In fact, you know that they're almost in that zone where they're not even thinking. Yeah, they're just doing. doing yeah, because the conditions dictate, or the water that that minute movement of water in front of them dictates that they need to do that next thing. Yeah. So that next paddle stroke. Yeah. They don't have to think about what that paddle stroke, stroke is. is. It happens. It's just do it. Yeah. 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 So you know when you. This is another theory I have. Um, yeah. This is probably not documented either. No, that's fine. I love so my, my theory is um, five plus or minus two into two. So I'm gonna gonna convert that into seven into two, right? Yeah. So my understanding is the human brain can only comprehend five plus yeah. or minus two things at any one time. Yeah. So when you're learning something new, you've got seven things busting around your head. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, you know, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. So the example I use is like driving a car. So you've got to check your mirrors. When you learn how to yeah, drive the car, yeah. you've got to get in, adjust your seat, yeah. check the mirrors, find out where the pedals are. Am I in a manual or automatic? Look behind me, head check, check the other way, put my indicator on, out yeah. and go. Yeah. When you become an expert at driving, which is after a number of years, mm. you get in the car, one, and you go. Yeah. Two. Yeah. So that's seven things has it's now become two. Two things, yeah. So True. And I think that's absolute freedom when you can do that. So when you do that, when I see people whitewater paddling who are experts, mm. they don't think of all the other stuff. They think of, I'm here and I've got to get to there. There, yeah. It's two points. Yeah. And that's how I approach skiing as well. So, mm. you know, I, I, we've mentioned in this podcast that a few times, and I'll, I'll be really honest now, like skiing is what makes me tick. Yeah. Skiing and snowboarding. Yeah, and, wow. And I feel almost equally, equally proficient in both, probably a little bit better in skiing still. Yeah. But I love it and I love putting myself into challenging situations. Like mm. I, I, I thirst for the moment where I'm standing at the top of a run going, I don't think I can get down that. Wow. And I look for those places all around the world. Yeah. And I try and put myself in those situations. And then you've got to, and you can't think about which turns you're putting in. No. And you can't think about how the distance between the turns, you can't think about, you know, you've already assessed the snow conditions. You yeah. can't think about that either. You've got to get from here to there and you've got to enjoy it. Yeah. And you do it. And that's and that's two things. Yeah. Exactly. I wasn't thinking about those two things yeah. when I first learned to ski. No. No. <laughs> I, I almost have like a bit of a fear for snow now because like I went on my first snow trip in year 10 and like I got really good really quickly and I'd done like, you know, a lot of um, skateboarding and, and quite good with, you know, picking up on things because I can watch someone and then pretty much do it almost straight away. Mm. And I got very good at snowboarding. And then I went to a um, the night skiing at Falls Creek and down Wombat's Ramble and 
it was a very icy night and I was coming down and I wasn't used to those conditions and I came down real hard on my shoulder and that threw me out for the rest of the There's the nothing trip. fun about falling on ice on a snowboard. No, no. <laughs> and then I think the thing that made it worse was that I had a, a really important um, swimming championships two weeks after and yeah. I just did not perform yeah. to my to my best. And since then, like, I've been very hesitant and, like, I went up to the snow last year for uni and I was, like, just chilling out, just taking it easy, yeah. not yeah. doing much. So yeah. um, how do you – do you know how to overcome those barriers or how have you overcome – some in the past it's a really I know good it's question talking a little bit about fear, i know but yeah i think more fear, about fear. fear yeah so fears fears both a good and bad thing yeah um fears yes. a great thing yes fear correct. keeps you alive yeah um and in some of the things that 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 we do in yeah. the outdoors especially and i'll talk a little bit about the play adventure misadventure model mm-hmm. i don't know mm-hmm. if you know of but yeah I've heard um, of it, yes so some of the things that we do especially in our personal time we need to be a little bit on that edge yeah um and fear will say to you hey man don't do that yeah 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 um and so you know and some people don't get that um some people are more brilliant than i am at overcoming Mm. that yeah so i think there's fears fears are what i call a double-edged sword so it's there to be overcome yeah and you've got to overcome it to progress yeah because if if you let fear dictate the level to which you are going to have that experience, mm, yes. you're not going to progress. Yeah. So, But that's okay too because you know what? You don't have to be an expert at everything. No. So you don't have to progress in everything. No. So if something is scaring the hell out of you and you think – because here we're talking about um, fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. yeah. So our natural instinct is to do one of those three, three things when yeah. we're scared. And if, if your natural instinct is telling you not to fight, so yeah. it's either flight or freeze, freeze yeah. then perhaps you need to reconsider if that's the activity that you want to be doing. Yeah. Because if, you, if your natural instinct is telling you fight, then keep going, mm. I think. Mm. Yeah. That's the way I see it. Yeah, but I love that. I was going to say um, about the play adventure misadventure model, and this is something that really, it's gold. Yeah. It's something for an outdoor educator that, if you always keep this at the front of your mind, you're going to have a safe experience with the people that you are leading. Yeah. So play adventure, misadventure is that, um, so there's three zones of an activity. Mm-hmm. If you're on your play zone, you know, you're having fun and it's yeah. kind of, you know, people are splashing each other with water in a canoeing yes. session, yada, yada, yada. And then if you get into it, into your adventure zone, it's like, okay, we're on. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone yeah. focus. There's a, there's a, there's a rapid coming up, yeah. you know, yeah. um, we're just going to, we're going to practice our strokes. We're going to get into that switch on. Then yeah. you get into the misadventure zone where someone tips over and gets wrapped on a rock. Yeah. And you know, there's a near death situation basically. Yeah. So the way I see it is you should always be, you should never get into your misadventure zone. Yeah. When you're, when you're um, leading students yes. or clients. You should always be questioning yourself. So they should be in their adventure zone. Yeah. But you shouldn't be in yours. You should be in your play. You should be in your play zone. Yeah. Pretty much all the time when you're leading people because then you're gonna keep people safe. Because you're how do you how do you know what your adventure zone is? You've got to seek it out. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you're gonna have those misadventures. Yeah. Um, but have those misadventures on recce days. Yes. Yeah, in, yeah. Your own, in your own personal time. time. That's, they're the times to have those misadventures. And then you know, hey, when I was there and I did this, 
I really stuffed up. Mm. And so now when I'm here with my group, I'm not going to do that. Uh, no. I'm going to do something different or we're going to portage that rapid. Yeah. And yeah. say, you know, you know what? You guys aren't at that level and it's unpopular. Yeah. They might say, oh, come on. You know, we wanted to do this. We've, we've been waiting the whole trip. I've done this. Yeah. The final rapid of a massive expedition that everyone's geared up yeah, for. And cool. I've said yeah. to them, we're walking it. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, come yeah. on. Were you ripping us off? Yeah, um, we're walking it. Mm. Some Dang. of you are not at the go. level to either be able to do this or be able to help other people out when they come unstuck. Mm. So therefore, we're walking yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Yeah. yeah, let's reflect. And then at the end of the day, let's reflect on how good the rest of the trip was yeah. and how much skill you've gained. And maybe next time when you're out here on your own, then mm. you can do it with a friend. Yeah. That, that came at a perfect time because I've just literally started safety this semester as my subject for outdoor ed. Yeah. And we're just sort of starting to, you know, hit the iceberg or the tip of the iceberg on on all that sort of content. Yep. So, yep. yeah, no, thank you for bringing that up. Awesome. Um, Dan. Um, I suppose we probably should wrap things up. No worries. Um, and I end with a few few set questions that I like to ask all my guests. And that's, <coughs> oh, wow, I'm a bit choked here. Um, if you were to sit down and have coffee or tea or whatever it may be with anyone in the world, dead, alive, famous, infamous, who would it be? Oh, wow. That's a really um, yeah. on-the-spot on question. So, and, I, and, I, and I really wish that I'd prepared an answer for that. Um, so, I reckon... That and I'm, I'm just thinking as I say it. Yeah. Um, gee, I've got I've got a lot of heroes, hey. Yeah. Um, I've got a lot of heroes, both both dead and alive, that that I look up to. Some of them Could have be been really influential on 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 my career, um, and I kind of I kind of have have coffees with them um, already. Yeah. Um, I guess you know, the first one that comes to mind. Um, and I'm kind of stealing off somebody else. So mm -hmm. um, maybe it's, I was thinking Edmund Hillary. Okay, yes. But then I'm thinking maybe not El Edmund Hillary, maybe I'm thinking Tenzing Norgay. Yes. And I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, Tenzing's the guy that was, I guess, doing the grunt work on, on that expedition. Yeah. Um, and kind of wanting to talk about I guess how that felt from a Sherpa perspective to be climbing the the, the Mother Mountain, um, Sagamatha, yeah. you know, and whether it was actually something to be conquered or whether it was something to, whether it was a, you know, a um, religious kind of experience to, to do that or whether it was something that you feel guilty about. Yeah. You know, it was, you know, uh, is is saga mother meant, meant to be climbed? climbed yeah. yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. So that'd be a really interesting conversation. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. And there's there's so many variables. And in I that love the mountains thing, too, but I don't aspire it? to climb Mount no. Everest. Um, no, and I just I I I love my family too much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I think I don't want to die up there. No, yeah. no, and that's that's the. Th thing around like whether we have to conquer everything and, and get to the top of everything or get down this you know certain part of the mountain or wherever it may be yeah or can we just 
enjoy it yeah and just sit at the bottom and look up and go wow exactly yeah yeah, yeah. I've, um, I've got a goal actually this year to to climb 20 peaks yeah and and this is not but in in any means earth shattering yes this is just anything probably yeah. pretty much anything in victoria yeah that has a mount yeah. in front of it yeah <laughs> and it's got to be human powered yeah so you know i live near three quite small hills yeah that have the mount alexander yeah uh, mount tarangawa and mount yes. franklin yes and i'll do them on bikes yeah and they're going to be pretty easy yeah but you know to do 20 of them so i've got a few yeah so it's 2020 yeah i'm doing I'm, i want to scale 20 peaks by yeah. human power i want to do uh 20 charity events i heard about that that yeah. uh, that have to have physical activity as their as their base yeah um i've already started one actually yeah it's called the march charge okay march yeah. charge. i was um, gonna say so, is it laps for life no nah, march yeah. charge this one yeah. so i'm doing i'm doing five again not earth shattering doing 5k a day yeah with, with walking with my dog yeah um and then i'll do the uh, ms cycle later on yes. in march and yeah there's a there's a few lined up so 20 of those you should get and then, in into the push-up challenge. Oh yeah, okay, all right. As well, I'll, I'll wait I'm, for details. I'm on doing, that. I'm doing that one okay. this year. Yeah. Um, I haven't put it out there to everyone, but I'm now doing laps for life, like this, oh, yeah. this March as well. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, and trying to swim t- twenty k's in this month. Hey, let's talk about that um, off air. Yeah. Um, and yep. the other one um is I want to do I love park runs. Yeah. So I want to do twenty different park runs, yes. so oh, in different cool. locations. Cool. Yeah. yeah. What What's your favorite park run you've done so far? Um, Mount Beauty. Yeah! Wow! Nice. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I, I so been there, you, you, but... you run around the lake at yeah. Mount Beauty. You run in one direction and then back in the other oh, one, wow. and you can basically see Bogong and Falls oh and well, well, yeah. the back of Falls. falls and, yeah. Um, and so I go there in winter. Yeah. Obviously, seeking out yes. snowfields yes. and um, you know, Saturday Saturdays are pretty yeah. um crowded at yeah. Falls Creek. Yeah. So see. I'll have a bit of a lion, mm-hmm. do a park run, and then yeah. head up in yeah. the afternoon. Yeah. Love that! Love <laughs> that! Awesome. Um. And what, uh, this is another question, um, what would be your advice that you would give to your 18-year-old self? Oh, look, I mean, I think we've spoken about it a lot in this yeah. expedition. Hold on. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. When the, when the tough times come, they get better. better. Yeah. And, Definitely. you know, I, I, I know that there's going to be listeners listening to this podcast going, mm-hmm. hey, man, you've got a really slanted view on the world. It doesn't get better. But mm. in... I've only got my experience to draw upon. Yeah. It does. Yeah. There's some really dark moments. You know, I've I've lost too many friends. Yeah. For someone, I'm not even going to say for some, I was going to say for someone my age, but just for anybody, I've lost too many friends. friends. Yeah. Um, for different reasons, you know, some of them are suicides, some of them are accidents, mm-hmm. um, but I've lost too many friends and they're really, really dark and challenging times for yourself, for the family, for other friends yeah. around you. And then, you know, it gets a bit better. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're the darkest moments. But there are other moments that are, are also dark but but not as dark. Like, you know, um, you lose a job or, yeah. you know, you wow, my son had um, viral meningitis when he was really, really small. Jeez, yeah. And that was like... How am I, hey, if I lose him, how am I going to go on? And I didn't, yeah. but even so, him in hospital getting all these tests and all, those, oh. all that stuff, it's like, I don't, I'm, I'm just so scared and nervous and anxious and, but I've got two other kids and they need me and I've got all, you know, everyone needs me. I've got yeah. to keep going. I've got just, just, yeah. so my, if I had a coffee with my 18 year old self, I would say to them, when the dark times come, 
hold on. Mm, yeah. Like um, there's a there's a phrase somewhere which says this this too shall pass or this yeah, too must pass, pass or something yes, like that. Yeah. 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 Now awesome. And my last question because. My podcast is about sparking that conversation and, and trying to spark something inside of people. What sparks you now and what gets you out of bed now? And I think I might know the answer. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, I'm pretty sparked by life yeah. as it is. Um, but I'm sparked by the idea that we have this beautiful planet yeah. and it's there to be explored. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm not working in the outdoor education field right now. No. And every day, and I'm going to say this absolutely honestly, every day I worked in outdoor education, I woke up and went, this is going to be an awesome day. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm doing some awesome activity mm. in either the, a place I know really well yeah. or a place I've never been to. And this is going to be an awesome day. Yeah. yeah. Um, Maybe some actually maybe I have lied because some of those days when I was doing those evacs, there were some there were some pretty dark times. On, yes. But now I still do the same thing, but I, I I'm doing it vicariously through my children. Yeah. So yeah, showing them. You know, my the kids outdoors. are learning how to ride bikes, and my kids are learning how to ski, and yeah. they're learning how to pitch tents and camp, yeah. and it's Love really that. rewarding for me. Um, and you know, and it's not just them. Then we take friends along with us, and yeah. So I still feel that I'm interacting as much as I possibly can with the outdoors. Yeah. You know, I've, I've ridden to work the last two days. Yeah. Um, as much as I can, I get out there and, and that really sparks mm. me. And the other thing that really sparks me is I'm really hugely passionate about the development of young people. Yeah. And even though I'm not working in a direct teaching role or I'm not working in a direct outdoor education role, mm. I still seek out opportunities like these. Yeah. Every opportunity I can to have interaction with young people to help them develop, mm -hmm. help them to grow, help them become better people, um, and help them to kind of appreciate the world that they live in and interact with it and enjoy it. Yeah, amazing. amazing. I just want to take this moment to just commend you, Daniel, for like everything that you do and just like especially probably since probably this last month when we started our RA training, I've already taken so much on board just by watching what you do. And you are very open about your leadership and, and why you do things and very honest when you do make a mistake with us. And I do want to commend you for that because I think that's really powerful and something that I've taken a lot away from. So thank you, Daniel, for that. No worries, Ethan. I think, you know, accountability is missing a little bit in our yep. world um, yep. and I'm seeing that more and more from again I don't want to get political but from yeah. people who are who are purporting themselves to be leaders of our yeah. society yeah if you stuff up yeah own it yeah you know exactly. if it, and small mistakes big mistakes if, if you're the one that made and it's not about blame no it's not about apportioning no. blame to the person that stuffed it up it's about how can we learn from that mistake yeah to make it better next time yeah, 100%. Mm. No, I think that's a perfect ending note. Thank you, Thank Daniel. You. Thanks, Ethan. Awesome. Cheers. Oh my gosh. That was an awesome chat I just had with Daniel. Wow. I'm just sitting here reflecting on it now. And he is just full of knowledge. And before the chat, him and I were, um, were talking about failure and we're talking about, you know, limiting beliefs, that sort of thing. And um, I think we really unpacked it well in this episode. And Daniel has a lot of good analogies um, for tackling sort of certain life events and 
has a very positive outlook on life and he's been through so much, had so much experience. Like I, I only knew probably the, the last little bit of his, his life, like in terms of um, how he got into outdoor education, um, but didn't realize where he took outdoor education and didn't realize, you know, um, his prior studies and, and that he, he lived in Spain and, and all that, like, he has had some quality experience, life experience, basically. Um, and I'm so glad he came on because I actually, I actually asked him and he's like, oh, I don't know if I'll be, you know, able to speak as well as, you know, Stefan Bramble or, or that sort of thing because he, um, he hopped on and had a listen to one of my podcasts. And I was like, no, Daniel, I need you on. Like, you have so much to offer. So, I'm, so I am so thankful for that and um hopefully someone takes something away i know i've definitely taken a lot away from this episode um yeah so if you did enjoy this episode please please take a screenshot of it right now um and upload it on your instagram story straight away tag myself so at ej spark underscore conversations and also tag at living at latrobe um, Bendio because um, that's obviously where he's working and, and that would be a fantastic sort of link to that. Um, yeah, I, I hope you enjoyed it and, and I'm hoping and praying that this podcast is going to be up on Apple Podcasts soon, but we'll see how it goes. I'm still in the works of trying to work with the, the company to get it up there. But yeah, um, for now, you know, as I always say, Go out there and spark that conversation because a conversation is progress. Peace out, everyone. Thank you very much.